The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Presence, glory, glory, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor for me, are you ready to change? Or will you want to remain the same way? Now, answer that question for yourself. Are you willing to change? You don't have to ask yourself, obviously. Are you willing to change? Are you planning to change? And it's not a difficult thing. Praise God. It's not a difficult thing per se. The key is to know Jesus more and more. Hallelujah. Let's get into it. I already said laying foundation yesterday. Jeremiah 31, 31. Jeremiah 31 and 31. Father, send us your word, we pray. Help each and every person. There is no one that you want to remain the way they are. There is no one. Your desire is that all of us will be conformed to the image of your son. But we know we're all on different levels. We have different backgrounds. We have different experiences. So I pray that you help every single one of us to come to that next place that we all need to come to. In the name of Jesus. Behold, Jeremiah 31, 31. This is a prophecy about the new covenant, Christianity, what you and I have today. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. I am going to retire the old. It's not going to deliver what I really want. I have used it for a specific purpose. It has served that purpose. And I'm going to retire the old. I'm going to bring a new covenant. What is that new covenant? Verse 33. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those, those days. And that is the covenant you and I now belong to. And the covenant we have in Christ with God. I will put my law in their minds. And I will write on their hearts. I will write it on their hearts. What used to be on tablets of stones... God said, I'm going to put it on the tablet of the heart and the mind. Praise God. And they shall be my people. Verse 34. No more shall every man teach his neighbor. And every man his brother saying, saying, know the Lord. Not saying be healed. Not saying receive prosperity. Not saying receive your breakthrough. No, he could have mentioned all that. And all those things are available. Please, I am a prosperity preacher. Some people don't like calling themselves that. Me, I'm a prosperity preacher. Lift your hands and receive this. You will prosper in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the labor prosperity preacher. I'm not a poverty preacher. I don't mind you coming to church poor. You will not remain poor in Jesus' name. But that is not the essence of the covenant. It is a side benefit of the covenant. Healing is not the essence of the covenant. It's a side benefit of the covenant. A good marriage, a lovely family, 
lovely children, lovely career. That is not the essence. And that's why that's what was mentioned here. Nobody will have to tell his brother, know the Lord. For all of them, or they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them. So this is not just for pastors. This is for that person that is walking into church for the very first time. The least of them. My covenant with them, my plan for them, my will. Covenant means will. I mean, testament means will. We call it the New Testament. It means will. My will is for them to know me. For they all shall know me from the least to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Does somebody here believe that Jesus has forgiven your iniquity and he has forgotten your sin? Are you born again? Have you been washed by the blood? Have you been cleansed? Please understand that it's so that you can know him. And that's the journey we are on. Know him. Know him. Let's again look at where we are going. Romans chapter 8. The end of the journey. The destination. The goal. Where we are headed. Romans 8.29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Conformity to the image of Jesus. Your life, my life, our lives should be conformed to Christ. Not looking differently from him. Not acting differently from him. Not talking differently from him. Not behaving differently from him. Not living differently from him. There was a phrase that was very popular, I believe, in the 70s and the 80s. WWJD. What would Jesus do? Very, very powerful move of God in the U.S. and other parts of the world. And just to teach people that, hey, you are supposed to live like Jesus. You are supposed to be like him. That is the word Christian. Christian. Acts eleven twenty six. This is where we are going. Look at Acts eleven twenty six. When he, speaking about Barnabas, if you read the previous verses, had found him, talking about Paul. Barnabas went to Tarsus. He heard that Saul had been saved. The person that was prosecuting the church, everybody was afraid of, of, of Saul then, or Paul. So Barnabas went to Tarsus and brought him. So the Bible said he went to get Saul. He brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church that was in Antioch. And taught a great many people. They taught them for a year. And this was the result. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Through the teachings they received. And they committed themselves to. After a space of about one year, their attitude started changing. Their manner of speech started changing. Their conduct in everyday life started changing. 
people in their neighborhood saw the change. Their colleagues at work saw the change. Their family members saw the change. And they called them Christians for the very first time. Amazing. Christianity did not start in Antioch. It started in Jerusalem. The miracles broke out in Jerusalem. But it was when Paul and Barnabas went to Antioch. And I, I, I would love to get the tapes of what they were teaching them in that year. More importantly, I would even love to be in those meetings. Like you are in this meeting today. I would love to at least one service. Praise the Lord. But we can infer what was taught from the outcome. What was the outcome? They started nicknaming them Niger. That's what the word Christians mean. Behaving like a Nigerian. Ah, these people are behaving like Christ. Glory be to God. Ephesians 4.13 Till we all come to the unity of the faith. From verse 7, he said he gave them apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers. Sidebar here, sidebar here. I was so happy this morning. I came in and I saw the ushers. And for the first time, at least in my own observation, it wasn't the head usher arranging and doing things. He now had a team, although they were all ladies. I told all of them, where are your boyfriends? <laughs> Bring your boyfriends to church. How can you only have ladies? They were, I mean, that was good. The, the pastor is not supposed to be doing the ministry. The apostle is not supposed to be doing the ministry. The prophet is not supposed to be doing the ministry. The evangelist is not supposed to be doing the ministry. They are anointed for it. But the plan of God, this is what Paul was teaching us in Ephesians chapter 4, is to teach the people to do the work of the ministry. So I always tell all our leaders here, we've trained you, now we have leaders. I don't know, I can't remember the last time I had to arrange auditorium. I've trained leaders, but I tell you leaders, you yourself, don't be the one arranging. As the head of a team, the team should be able to run without you being there. My head doesn't have to lift the top of my head and come and move my leg for my foot to move. Can I hear a loud amen? It can send a signal and the foot will move. The head should stay in one place like Jesus is staying in heaven and the body of Christ is walking on the earth. So I was glad. I was glad. And that's how we should be in every group. Let me ask somebody by the side of you, where are you serving God? Where are you serving God? You should belong to a group. This is just by the will. Let me get on. But this is, the ultimate thing is, so that, this is what the, the apostles, prophets, evangelists should teach the people for the work of ministry, till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God. That's what we want to do. Let's reveal Jesus to you more and more. The knowledge of the Son of God. That he might, I mean, to, to a perfect man, and watch this, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You should keep learning and knowing and growing in your revelation of Jesus till you come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. A question for you, are you there yet? Talk to me somebody. Okay, let me ask you on that question. How far away are you? The gap from where you are, praise God, to the measure 
of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is the amount of transformation you need. And why you will not get there in one day or in one year or probably in your entire lifetime. Bless God, you can move from where you are. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. Somebody say with me, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. I'm changing, I'm changing, I'm changing. I am transforming, I'm transforming, I'm transforming. Oh, hallelujah. Now, this is very interesting. The simple truth is you are already there. First John 4, 17. As he is, so are we in this world. You are already like him. In your spirit, in your recreated human spirit, if we could open you up, if you are born again, if we could open you up and see what is inside of you, it is an exact replica of Christ. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. And if you study that text in 1 John chapter 4, John was specifically referring to love. As Jesus is love in heaven now, so are you and I love on the earth now. We have his nature. Glory be to God. We have his wisdom. Glory be to God. We are the bone of his bone and the flesh of his flesh. That is what it means to be the body of Christ. So on one dimension, we are already like him. What we now need is to renew our minds that may have been corrupted by the world we live in. So maybe you come to this church and all your life, maybe the churches you have been to before or your parents' churches or somehow, somehow, the tradition you've known is that I am not to do ministry. I am the lady. I am the member. It is the pastor that should do ministry. That's how you are thinking. That is not so. First of all, the word ministry is to serve. You are supposed to serve. That's what Jesus did with his life. He served us. And everything it takes for you to serve, to be the world number one servant in the field that God has called you to serve, it's already inside of you. Hallelujah. You just don't know it. And if you will sit down with us this season and allow Jesus reveal himself more and more to you, every attribute of him, including this dimension of serving, will come alive in you. And you will just find it uncomfortable to be sitting down and not serving people and calling yourself a Christian. That's scandalous. On any level you can think about it. The word Christian means like Christ. Christ is a servant. You can add that to the list of who Jesus is. I don't, I'm not, that one is not even on my list. <laughs> He's a servant. Maybe we'll get to that as we go on. And you say you're a Christian and you're not serving. No. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Again, just laying this. How will I know more and more of Jesus? You know him more and more in the place of prayer. Place of prayer. Pray more. Pray deeper. Pray better. Pray with more understanding. First of all, start praying. Then grow in the place of prayer. You know him in the moments 
and through a lifestyle of worship. So we worship. But don't just worship in church. We don't have time for you to do enough worship in church. Worship every day of your life. But bless God when you come to church, worship. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. Learn to come early. A big part of the worship is early in the service. You know him through his word. Get into his word. And you, you begin to experience him more and more as he fulfills the promises and the prophecies in the word in your life. We read that scripture from Ezekiel last week. Ezekiel 36, from verses 6 to 11. I will do this, do this, then you will know that I am the Lord. When God begins to perform, hallelujah, his word in your life, you will, oh, wow, so this is really him. You know him by obeying his commandments. So as he begins to teach us this month, and as he has always taught us, the things he's commanding us to do, telling us to do, don't ignore them. Even if you don't know how you can, you can take the next step, start praying, God, how am I going to get this done? I do a lot of that. I do a lot of that. There are many things God shows me. This is where I want this church to be. This is what I want this church to do. How are we going to get there? The first thing is I embrace it. When you have a word from God, you embrace it. When you have a commandment from God, you embrace it. Then you begin to pray. Lord, show me how I'm going to do it. And in no time, Jesus will begin to reveal it to you. Can I hear loud amen? amen. And you know him in the pursuit and the fulfillment of his purpose. Pastor Inda mentioned something about that briefly. Hallelujah. So John chapter 12 again. In fact, I want to read a little deeper in John chapter 12. Go there. That's one of our anchor scriptures in this teaching. And by the grace of God, we're going to study that portion of the Bible in depth. John, the 12th chapter, from the 20th verse. Hallelujah. The Greeks came to seek Jesus. And there was something in their question. There was something in their question, and I brought that to us. Look at verse, um, verse 21 again. Sir... The latter part, we wish to see Jesus. Now, maybe, maybe, just for the purpose of discussion, maybe what they wanted us, want to see him so he can lay hands on us and we'll be healed. Oh, we want to see him so they can prophesy over, over us so we can prosper. Maybe. But there was something in their question um, which sort, sort trigger things in Jesus. And I believe what they were asking is, we want to know this guy. We want to know him. Thank God for what he can do for us. Thank God for the miracles we can experience through him. Thank God for the power that we can receive through him. But beyond all that, and that's why this is where I want you guys to be. I want us to have this kind of spirit. It's not for us primarily about what we get from Jesus. Thank God for what we get from Jesus. And we will continue to receive from Jesus. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. But we are developing this attitude of prioritizing him above what he does for us. That's what knowing Jesus is all about. One man of God prayed this prayer one day. I pray it every now and then, but I'm, not, I'm sure I've not got into the depth of where it got to. I had him. So when I learned from him, he said, God, if you never do anything for me again, you have done enough. 
from this day going forward, my walk with you is not about you answering my prayer anymore. You don't even have to do anything for me again. I just want to know you. How many of you can pray that kind of prayer? <laughs> I mean it. Someone say, well, let me marry first. <laughs> Someone say, let me have my children first. <laughs> are you getting what we are talking about here? And I want to teach you and train you not to fall into this ditch of because of what you want from him. You are losing sight of him. There are people that get angry with the pastor because their miracle has not landed. And by getting angry with the pastor, they are saying they are getting angry with Jesus. There are people that get angry with the church because their breakthrough has not arrived. And you need to be careful about such thoughts, such temptations, praise God. Because it's not going to help you. And for a season, for a season, leave everything else that you want in your life aside. Ah, pastor, my rent is overdue. Leave it aside for now. Just, just try and follow me here in this teaching. Leave every need. Leave every outstanding bill. Leave every problem. Leave every mountain. Leave every issue. And focus on Jesus. Just for a season. Sir, we want to see Jesus. The questions God Jesus stirred up. There's no other place in the scriptures that we see Jesus respond like this. Verse 23, the first thing he said, the time has come for me to go and die. The moment he heard that the Gentiles were seeking him, and I believe it was really him they were interested in, not just what he gave them. There's nothing wrong in getting what he gives. So many people in the Gospels came for what he got. And we celebrate those people today and we learn from them. We learn from their faith. We learn from their tenacity. We learn from their prayer life. And we should. But we should go beyond that. If you do nothing else for me. If all I see, like H.O.P. led us this morning, is Jesus. It's more than enough. The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Look at the next verse, or the next statement he made, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, referring to himself, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. If it dies, it produces much grain. And we, we see from that that, 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 that what he made there can be applied in different ways. But obviously, what he was talking about is that I'm going to die for the world. I am the only son of God now. And I'm going to lay down my life as the only grain. And when I die, my life or through my life, much fruit, harvest will come to God. And God will have many more children. Praise God. That is the context or the concept, the main thing. We use the concept of sowing and reaping in the place of giving and receiving we should. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, the Bible does that. We use it in the place of teaching. Jesus said the sower sows the word. We should. There's nothing wrong with that. But this statement Jesus made here, he was responding to the fact that some people came and wanted to know him or wanted to see him. Praise God. 
And I believe that's the first thing all of us should embrace about Jesus. He is a soul winner. He is a soul winner. He is a soul winner. Somebody needs to write down on the tablet of your heart. This is where we are going in this teaching. Listen to me. Write this statement down as well. The revelation of Jesus is given so that you can be like Jesus. The revelation of Jesus is given. Jesus reveals himself to you and to me. Among several other things, the reason is so that you can be like him. So when Jesus starts telling you, I am a soul winner, I am going to die, I'm going to sow my life so that God can have many more children. And we saw from Revelation 14, praise God, from verse 14, he's reaping the harvest. He's revealing that dimension, that aspect of who he is to us so that you too can be a soul winner. Oh, hallelujah. Enough of Christians that are not soul winners. Don't pray about people getting born again. Don't invite people to church so that they can get born again. Don't follow up on people. Don't care whether the church is growing, whether people are getting born again. And we, I, I understand. I have to examine my motive about the church growing because the pastor himself, it may not be because of the souls. It's so that his motive is that so they can say, oh, Pastor Tito has a mega church in Lagos. And Pastor Tito has to deal with that in his own secret place with God. Or anybody has to do with that. But regardless of all that, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus said, I'm going to lay down my life so that God can have a harvest of children. Responding to people wanting to know him. Look at the next thing, in the statement he made. The revelation of Jesus is given so that we can be like him. Look at the next verse. He who loves his life will lose it. And read all this in context of what we are talking about here. He who loves his life will lose it. So I am going to sacrifice. I'm not, I don't love my life to that point where I can't make a sacrifice for humanity. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it unto eternal life. Giving us an example. The same way I'm laying down my life for others, the same way I'm involved in making sure others are getting saved, you that are my disciples, lay down your life for other people as well. Spend your time so that people can be saved. Spend your money so that people can be saved. Spend your energy so that people can be saved. Sacrifice some of your family time. Use your intellect, your creativity, your imagination. Don't love your life to the point where you lose it. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to go deeper in it. Look at the next statement. Verse 26. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him will my father honor. Praise God. He threw service in there. Follow my example of stewardship. As I am serving mankind, you also serve mankind. To the point where you can lay down your life for others. 
Now, that is not asking you to go and die on the cross like Jesus. We need to understand this about Jesus. Number one, he was a substitute for us. So there are some things Jesus did we don't have to do for ourselves anymore. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? And nobody has to do for us anymore. But if that's the only thing we know about Jesus, we are on an error path. Not only was he a substitute, he was an example. And that's why he said, if any man serves me, let him follow me. Follow me. Do what I do. Don't call yourself a Christian and the way you are living is different from the way I live. Oh, hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, are you still excited? Can Pastor T go on? <laughs> Praise God. Thank you for that smile. It's very encouraging. <laughs> follow me. We're going to study that word a lot in this series. Follow, follow. Jesus is to be followed. The revelation of Jesus is given so that we can be like him. Now, let, let, me, let me say something to you here at this point. Praise God. One of the major characters revealed in the Bible, look at me everybody, is the Antichrist. Major character in the Bible. Antichrist, the number one villain in the Bible. And of course, we know the Antichrist is who? Satan. But look at that name. Antichrist. What does Antichrist mean? Huh? Against Christ. Let's try and use a description that fits into what we are trying to learn here. Opposite of Christ. Unlike Christ. Jesus is going north, he's going south. Jesus is going east, he's going west. Antichrist. And Christian is like Christ. So this is the, the gulf we are in, the, the spectrum we are in. On one hand, we can be like him. And to the degree that we are like him, <laughs> we are Christians. We are like Christ. On the other hand, there is a character called Antichrist. And to the degree we are not like him. Talk to me, somebody, who are we like? I know you don't like that one, but you, you get my point. That should wake you up. To the degree you are not like him, who are you like? <laughs> Do you know Paul actually talked about that? We're so going to get into that as we go on. I still want to lay foundation. Paul said, in fact, this, this was very interesting. The people that were with Paul in ministry said they have gone after Satan. Another place said they have gone after the things of this world. If I say everybody has left me. The things of this world is now what they are chasing. And the Antichrist is called what? The God of this world. Praise God. Lift your hands with me this morning. And pray this prayer from the depth of your mind. Jesus, oh, to be like you. Open your mouth and pray that prayer. That's the song we sang. Oh, to be like you. I definitely don't want to be like the Antichrist. I want to be like you. To be like you, to, to be like you, Jesus, to be like you. I give all I have just to know you. That's how you're going to be like him. The more of him you know, the more of him you know, the more of him you know, the more of him you know. Oh, to be like you, to be like you. Pray that prayer, to be like you, 
to be like you. I definitely don't want to be like the Antichrist. I don't want to be talking like Satan. I don't want to be acting like Satan. I don't want to be living like Satan. Someone is not praying. No. You see, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Watch me, watch me. You see, the problem with some of you, these things we are teaching, you think because you are director of operations, it can't affect you. You are deceiving yourself. Oh. You think because you are the one preaching the sermon, ah, it doesn't apply to you. You are deceiving yourself. Let him that think he standeth, let him take heed lest he falls. So we tell you to pray this prayer, you think we are joking. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Lift your hands again. Jesus, oh, to be like you. To be like you. I want to live my life like a Christian. Not just in title. Not just in title. Not just in title. Hallelujah. Not just in title. Praise God. Look at me. In the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm going to go deeper in that. I want to get somewhere today. But let me just mention this. One day Jesus came and he, he taught several things. He, he told some guys. He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. They said, master, we prophesied in your name. Master, we cast out devils in your name. So you think it's about preaching a sermon? You think it's about prophesying? Things about Kasana Devil said, No, I don't know you. I don't know you. Some of you think this thing is about church attendance. No, it's not. Devils come to church. How many of you have had your ancestors stolen in church before? Raise your hand. Let me get some witnesses. Thieves come to church. How many of you have had your posses, ladies, stolen in church before? Thieves come to church. It's not about coming to church. It's not about prophesying. There are people that prophesy that are not Christians. In fact, all the bad noise and bad name that pastors and churches have. I mean, you watch internet now. Are those ones Christians? Deceiving people in the name of God and just giving Jesus a bad name. It's not about preaching and prophesying. Any devil can preach and prophesy. Anybody can have a large church. There are churches today, we are wondering whether they are really churches. Say, depart from me, I don't know you. So you need to know what it is. You need to know what it is. In another place, Matthew 25, he said he called the sheep and the goat together. The sheep and the goat are always together. The wheat and the tares are always together. Huh. And he separated them. Put the sheep on the right, put the goat on the left. And he said to the sheep, come, come and enjoy eternity with me. They said, he said, I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. You, you, you were like me. You lived like me. He said, when did you do it? He said, ah, when you did it to other people. The other one, he said, I was hungry, you did not clothe me. I was naked. You, you, you were not living like me. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. The objective this season of our lives as a church is to drop everything else and see him and know him and be like him.
What does that entail? The things we are doing that are not like him, by his grace, we drop them. And the things that are like him that we are not doing, by his grace, we embrace them. And not continue to live this, permit me, anti-Christ-like life. Life that is not like Jesus. Paul said the other time, he said some people, they call on God, but they deny the power of God. They, they claim to be Christians, but they don't. They said, stay away from them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Luke 24. Let me quickly tie up something I want to finish here today. Luke 24. Now, I know those of us that come to church are not antichrist, and I know we are not like devil. So let me show you where I think we have challenges with the Christians. This is where we have challenges. I don't think there's anyone that is genuinely born again that doesn't want to be a soul winner. I don't think there's anyone that is genuinely born again that doesn't want to serve. I don't think there's anyone that is genuinely born again that doesn't want to give all these Christ-like things. Already it is in our nature. But the problem is this. In our journey of life, we are weighed down with many baggages and challenges and issues that distract us. And those are the things we've got to learn to overcome. Praise God. So in Luke 24, Jesus had died. He had just been crucified. And the world of the disciples came crashing down. This Messiah... This savior, this redeemer that they had so much confidence in, so much hope in, they never thought Jesus would die, even though Jesus told them to his face, I'm going to die. They never thought Jesus would be crucified, even Jesus told them, I'm going to be crucified. He told them, but it, Jesus was so magnified in their eyes, physical Jesus, the Jesus they could feel, they could touch, and they could hear physically. He was so magnified in their life, even when he told them that these things were going to happen, they just didn't grasp it. So, just one weekend like that, their world came tumbling down. And when Jesus rose from the dead, as we see in Luke 24, the first mission Jesus had, and really indeed the only mission Jesus had, was to reveal himself to them. And this time, even though he was resurrected, and even though they could touch him physically, and they could see him physically, and handle him physically, beyond the physical revelation or contact, he wanted them to know who he really was. They needed the revelation of Jesus. So watch what happened there. And I'm sure many of us are familiar with Luke 24, the last chapter in the book of Luke. Let's start from verse 15 because of time. So it was while they conversed and reasoned. The Bible told us two of these disciples, they were traveling down the road. They called the road the road of Emmaus. Every one of us is traveling down a road. Your life journey is a road. Life is a journey. There are high roads. You are, who is that prince that just got married? Prince Harry. 
you just married Meghan Markle, Hollywood actress. The whole world watched your wedding. In fact, you have now set a standard for how they should be doing wedding. It was awesome. Everybody gave raving reviews. Very high road. Praise God. Well, how many of you are realizing that even people that are high, they say the rich also cry? Did you watch the international news this week? All these rich people that are committing suicide. Some people are traveling on a high road. Everything looks good on the outside, but on the inside, it's a mess. And I tell you, no matter how high your road is, you need to see Jesus. You need to know Jesus. Then there are low roads. Nobody wants to marry you. Or even somebody came to marry you, but the whole thing is a struggle. Struggle to do the wedding. Money to pay the rest. Low roads. Low road of sickness. Low road of, man, I'm just confused with my life. I'm not happy with my life. So, and of course, there are roads in between. Everybody is on a journey called life. Please stay with me. Everybody, it can be high, it can be low. It can be good, it can be bad. Sometimes these high roads and low roads are seasonal. So there are times in our lives things are going so wonderful. And then there are sometimes challenges come, things come down. And it can be reversed. Everybody is traveling on a road. And that's what I want you to catch from this text here. And as they were journeying, they were conversing and reasoning. So these disciples, they were on a ro low road. Their master had just been killed. Their savior had just been crucified. All their hope was lost. Everything looked dark and gloomy. So they were conversing. And as they were conversing, please watch this very carefully because this is what happens to everybody. Jesus drew near. Jesus always draws near to everybody. Titus 2.11 The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto how many men? All men. Men on the high road. Those people that committed suicide this week that were at the top of their career, they didn't need to commit suicide. Jesus was near. Jesus could have saved them from the depression they were going through. And that person that is on a low road, that looks so messy and gloomy, Jesus is near. Whatever road you are on, Jesus always draws near. And he went with them. The grace of God that brings salvation appeared unto all men. But look at what verse 16 tells us. And this is where you and I now need to ask ourselves and examine ourselves. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. I want to ask you, my brother, my sister, on that road you are on, can you see Jesus traveling that road with you? Or is it only the sickness that is in your body that you are seeing? That brother on a high road, I know you are making all the money, you are producing all the documentaries, CNN is airing your documentaries, on that high road you are on, can you see Jesus with you? Or is it only the, the TV ratings you are seeing? Or the money that you are buying? That woman designer, they said she was she transformed fashion industry. High road. But she still took her life. Why would someone, I, I know you, you never do that. I mean, your bag is the one everybody's buying. You're a billionaire. Will you take your life? Pastor Ben, uh, ben you won't. 
Are you sure? <laughs> Their eyes were closed. I ask you this morning, on that road you are on, you just got a, the fattest bonus in your church, in, in, your, in your business, in your company. Gave you the most money. Can you see Jesus on that road? Or that breakthrough, you are, you are now blinded to Jesus. Do you know Jesus on the road you are on? The Bible said they were sad as they were talking. You know why they were sad? Their eyes were close to Jesus. Even though Jesus was risen. Even though Jesus was near and they did not know him. So I want to submit to everybody and everyone here. It doesn't matter whether you're on a high road, hallelujah, or whether you're on a low road. On a low road. What matters is who you see as you journey on your, on your road. If you see Jesus, and if you know Jesus on the road you are on, it doesn't matter what is, is thrown against you. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus was trying to do for these disciples. Look at what he told them in verse 25. I'm closing. Please let me see the clock. You guys are not giving me my time. You're just showing me the word. I need to know how many minutes I have left. Verse 25. He said to them, and he's saying to you and I, on the road we are on, Oh, foolish ones. Why did he call them foolish? Because he's an Osho, the bus conductor, and he wanted to abuse them. Talk to me, somebody. That's not why they use the word foolish in the Bible. They are describing behavior. They are describing manner. What is foolishness in this context? When you are journeying through life, high road or low road, and you have lost sight of Jesus. When you are journeying through life and you don't know Jesus, you just got the biggest promotion of your life and now it has entered your head. Jesus is no longer on your radar. That's foolishness. You are just diagnosed with cancer and the doctor told you that you are going to die in six months. And because of that good news, you can't see Jesus anymore. You can't hear Jesus anymore. You don't know Jesus. That is foolishness. To be journeying through life. And as I'm saying this, please, I want you to examine yourself. Journeying through life. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But your eyes are blind from the Jesus that is near you. You know he said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. How many of us went through this week and you didn't see Jesus? You didn't know Jesus. You didn't talk to Jesus. You didn't allow him to hold you. You didn't allow him to draw you close. They call it foolishness in the Bible. God calls it foolishness. And we are not talking to show the language here. Oh, foolish ones. Hallelujah. You guys are getting quiet on me again now. Tap your neighbor and say, are you still excited? <laughs> Look at another definition of foolishness. Slow of heart to believe. Slow of heart. What are they not believing? Slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Praise God. Journey through life with your word. I don't care the sickness that has been put on your body. Believe what is written. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And he's traveling this lane of sickness with me. And he's holding me now. Believe it. He didn't say feel it. He didn't say have the money in your bank account. He said what? That's how you do life. You do life seeing Jesus. You do life knowing Jesus. High road or no road? Low road. Or even no road self. Maybe there's no road where you are. You're in the wilderness. Everything dry, everything confused. Do it with Jesus. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. 
see him, know him, believe what is written about him. Verse 27, look at it closely. And beginning at Moses. What do I mean by Moses? Genesis 1. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And all the prophets. What do I mean by all the prophets? Malachi. Beginning at Genesis all the way to Malachi, he expounded to them, hallelujah, all the scripture, the things concerning himself. He didn't tell them, oh, I am Jesus, oh, watch what we are talking about here, child of God. He didn't let them know it was him. He was just teaching them from the word. Like I've been teaching you from the word. And wanting their inner eye to see him. And wanting their hearts to know him. Verse 30. It came to pass. Please help me with the clock. It came to pass. As he sat at the table with them. They got to that hotel. They told him to stay the night with them. He took bread, glory be to God, and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. When he did that for the first time, they recognized him. Ah, this is how Jesus breaks bread now. And look at what the next verse told us. Then their eyes were opened. I prophesy over somebody here, your eyes shall be opened in the name of Jesus. Not only that, and they knew him. I prophesy over you, this season of your life, you will know him more than ever before. But watch something interesting he did there. He now vanished. Hallelujah. He vanished. Praise God. We know him in that place of prayer. What were they doing? He was praying. They were about to eat a meal. He was praying. And he broke the bread. We pray. Communion is part of praying. It's part of our worship. He broke the bread the way he would have done with them. Ah, this is Jesus. And the first time, Jesus. And he disappeared. And if you read the entire chapter to the end, he will appear to them and he will teach them. He would for 40 days, the Bible told us. Appear to them, teach them. Appear to them and kept giving them revelation upon revelation upon revelation of himself so that they will do what? Know him. Jesus has always been interested in us knowing him. Let me close. We'll continue from here last week. He asked them, who do men say I am? Matthew 16. Who, who do men say I am? So before he went to the cross, he said, some say you're a, you're a prophet. You're Elijah. Okay, he said, who do you say I am? Ask your neighbor, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say I am? Peter screamed or exclaimed, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Look at what Jesus told them. Rise on your feet as we close. I need, I need to close now. Look at what Jesus told them. Matthew 16. Somebody declare with Peter this morning, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now watch what I'm doing in this teaching series. I am not going to reveal or unveil Jesus using those familiar texts and those familiar descriptions of him. You are the Messiah. You are the healer. You are the savior. You are the deliverer. And we can know him that way. 
But like I said, this is what God told me. All this revelation, he's our savior, he's our healer, he's our provider, he's our shepherd, all over scripture. That's what Jesus was showing them from Genesis to Malachi. It's so that, so that we can be like him. There are certain qualities of him that he wants you to embrace. And I'm wondering, child of God, look at me. I'm closing. Please look at me. I need you to catch this. Has somebody learned something this morning? I want you to catch this. These things on the road you are traveling that are distracting you from Jesus. Whether you're on a high road and you're making all the money you want to make in this world and now you don't have time for Jesus anymore. Or whether you're on a low road and because you are struggling financially to pray, you're not, you not praying. You're not telling God you don't have time to serve him because you, you, you need money. Whichever road you are on, could it be, my brother, my sister, if you will put aside all these things and focus on who Jesus is and see him like you have never seen him before and know him like you have never known him before, all these things that are plaguing you will change. Could it be? Could it be? Who do you say I am? Peter responded. Watch how Jesus replied Peter when he responded. Glory be to God. Jesus answered and said to him, verse 17, Matthew 16, Blessed are you, Simon Bajona. Every time you catch a revelation of Jesus, you get blessed. Oh, hallelujah. Every time you see him as you ought to see him, it comes with a fresh blessing. Every time you know him as you ought to know him it comes with a fresh blessing is anybody interested in being blessed this season now i'm going to stay on what i've been telling you i don't want you to focus on the blessing who should you focus on talk to me somebody who should you focus on the blessing is just the side effect hallelujah the healing is just the side effect the husband is just the side effect take it to praise god glory be to god let's move on watch what he said watch Watch. This is why I'm doing all this. This is why God is leading us on this journey. Blessed are you. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. That's what we need. We need God to reveal him to us. And that's what Jesus was doing in Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1. Revealing himself. Look at me, child of God. Jesus wants you to see him. Oh, hallelujah. More than the money you think you need, Jesus wants you to see him. More than the husband you think you need. Jesus wants you to know him. More than the breakthrough you desire. Nothing wrong with the money. Nothing wrong with the husband. Nothing wrong with the breakthrough. But bless God. <laughs> See him. God has revealed this to you. God has revealed this to you. Pray with me somebody this morning. God or oh Lord. Father. Come on somebody. Father. Call him like you know he's going to answer you. Father, reveal Jesus to me. Oh, hallelujah. You and I need revelations of Jesus. Like those two disciples in that inn, that night, on the road to Emmaus, on whatever road you are on. Ah, pastor, I'm in a low road. 
for the last two, three days, I've not even eaten. See, in that place of hunger, more than the food you need, you need a revelation of Jesus. Pastor, they just made me the new vice president in our company, and it's a global company. My brother, my sister, on that high road you are on, now that you are the vice president, you need a fresh revelation of Jesus. He broke that bread, their eyes opened. Change their life forever. Look at the next thing Jesus said. I'm closing. Is somebody getting something this morning? And I also say to you, you are Peter. And on this rock, <laughs> I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means revelation is a rock. Let's be very specific. Revelation of Jesus is a rock. A rock you are to stand on. That is how you journey on the road. Revealed Jesus. Revelation of Jesus is a rock. That is the rock God builds our lives on. That is the rock God builds his church on. That's what he builds our marriages on. That's what he builds our careers on. A revelation of him. On this rock, this revelation that my father gave you, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. What does that mean? Without revelation, sickness will prevail. Poverty will prevail. Failure will prevail. Shame, hell, will, the Antichrist will prevail. When we lose sight of Jesus, listen, it's a spectrum. On one side is the Christ. On the other side is the Antichrist. The moment we start losing sight of Christ and our hearts start losing revelation of him, we are gradually being pulled towards the Antichrist. I know we are not devils, so, and you will never be a devil in Jesus' name. But listen, I've been pastoring 20 years. I see Christians that live like devils. I will show you from scripture so you don't say it's Pastor T. Tap your neighbor and say, come to church next Sunday. You will see what Pastor T will show you. I will build my church on them knowing who I am. Again, why is Jesus revealed to us? What did I tell you the purpose of revelation of Jesus? So that we can be like him. So I can read that text this way. I will build my church as I reveal myself to them and they follow my example. Look at the last statement he made. I'm still closing. Are you getting it? Verse 19. And and means we are still saying the same thing. My father reveals me to you. By revelation, I build you up. I build my church up. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Praise God. And what happens? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth. Without a revelation of him, you can't walk in dominion on the earth. You can't. Praise God. So who is this Jesus? What do you need to see of him that you have not seen? Number one is a soul winner. Number one is a soul winner. Some of you have lost sight of that. That's why you can go days, weeks, months. Don't pray for people to be saved. Don't invite people to church. Doesn't concern you whether people get saved in church. It doesn't. 
have lost sight of the Christ. And this is not to condemn you, church. Hello. This is to open your eyes. Jesus didn't condemn them. He called them foolish. He called them slow of how to believe. But what did you do at the end of the day? Open their eyes. Say with me, my eyes are opened. Jesus. I can see you now. Come and say it. I can see you now. You are the reaper of the harvest. You are the seed of the harvest. You are the sower of the harvest. Your word is the seed. Your life was the seed. You are the wheat that was singular and was sown and brought forth much harvest. Jesus, I can see you. I can see you. I can see you. And I want to be like you. That's the purpose of the revelation. The revelation is not Jesus showed you I'm a soul winner. They say, ah, Jesus, that's your life, oh. Me, I'm going to be a non-soul winner. Do you know why you're doing what you're doing? That you are flowing towards Antichrist. Let me tell you who the number one non-soul winner is. What's his name? He's the Antichrist. Devil, Satan wants everybody to go to hell. Number two, we're going to get into this. I'm going to give you three things today. I only gave you one before. Jesus is an intercessor. Bible said he forever liveth to make intercession for us. He is able to save to the uttermost. Hebrews. He's able to save to the uttermost those that call upon him because he forever. I have a word for every pastor in this house. I have a word for every leader in this house. Yesterday I was walking around my estate, just going around, so winning and praying. And God said, That's where I should start. Tell every pastor in your church, tell every leader in your church, be an intercessor in that community. Be an intercessor. He said, Every place the sole of your feet has tread. I have given it to you. Be like Jesus. See him. And follow him. Don't follow the Antichrist. I was, as I was just walking out, just praying, God, how can we start inviting more people to church from this place? How can we get more people to come into church? That's what Jesus is doing, no? That's what you should be doing, Pastor Barry. That's what you should be doing, Dikina that's what everybody, particularly the pastors and leaders, should be doing. Intercede for them. Praying for them. First Timothy 2, he said, God's desire is for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Therefore, I pray that men will lift up their hands and pray everywhere without wrath and without doubting. Jesus is an intercessor. Should I tell you the third one? I will tell you next Sunday. Lift up your hands. Talk to him this morning. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun. Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-006-40.